Welcome to the Ritual House Podcast, a show about the rituals we practice, the new ones we create, and the many ways rituals help us live deeper, more meaningful, and more connected lives. I'm your host, Tova Leibovic Douglas, and allow me to be the first one to say, welcome home. Welcome back, listeners. Yes, that's right. We're back, even though it is the season of taking a break from all good things like shows and content. We at The Ritual House decided let's just continue to charge on because I'm always looking for a good podcast to listen to during this time where the season of light is coming to a close. Winter is here. The new year is upon us. I'm always just wanting something to listen to. So we wanted to keep going and I'm really glad you're here. I am thinking about our why a lot or my why. I wanted to start the ritual house and I especially wanted it to be called house at the end because for me, the thing that I've always loved the most about Judaism is that when the rabbis decided to recreate it or had to recreate it, and they created rabbinic Judaism, which is the Judaism that we know of today, they made it a homebound experience. A lot of people don't really know that, I think. I mean, I think they know that, but we are really reliant on our spiritual leaders like our rabbis. We're, we're really reliant on synagogue and communal institutional spaces to do or provide the structure for Judaism to take place. And while those things are wonderful and amazing, they actually aren't necessary all the time. I mean, of course, we need community to pray. We need community because we need community. Who doesn't need community? But so much of Judaism takes place in the home. The rituals take place in the home. Shabbat, the table, is really resembling the altar that used to be in the temple. That table with the challah on it, the altar is the home. And I think that's revolutionary. It was revolutionary. I think it still is revolutionary because I think what it tells us is that we don't need to go outside of ourselves to connect to God or divine, to connect to ourselves. We have it within, within us, within our homes. The rituals of our lives, of our daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, annually, festivally lives, those are are for us, for us to create. And I wanted The Ritual House to be a space, this podcast, but also just all the offerings that we have on our website. I wanted people to feel that they are empowered to do rituals on their own because you are. I'm really excited about the guest today, Kathleen, because I think she really is a model of this. She is someone who kind of lives, breathes rituals specifically in her home. And it's something that just comes really naturally to her, and she doesn't realize that it doesn't come naturally to all of us. It comes a little naturally to me too, but I think it even comes more naturally to her. And I hope that you listen to this episode and feel inspired and empowered to try ritual on in all the creative and fun and silly ways that you can, that there's no wrong way to do it that there's only a right way to do it. And that right way to do it is the way that you do it. The way you bring yourself to your home, to your own ritual house is precisely what needs to happen. I want religion and spirituality to be, we need to democratize it. We need to make it and return it to the home. That's where it belongs. 
and we can come together in community and pray together and be together, but let's start with ourselves. So I hope you walk away from this conversation feeling empowered to ritualize the little things and the big things just as yourself, because you are enough. You are enough. All right, here's Kathleen. Welcome, everyone, to The Ritual House. I am so glad to be here with my incredible guest, Kathleen Donahoe. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. So Kathleen Donahoe has personally trained over 15,000 women and helped them look and, more importantly, feel their best. Kathleen is the co-owner of Oh Baby Fitness, the world's largest pregnancy and postpartum fitness company. She travels regularly to lead trainings and perinatal fitness certifications to personal trainers, medical fitness professionals, and moms all over America. CNN, NPR, Reader's Digest, and Parents Magazine have featured her enthusiastic tips for how to exercise and how to help women look and feel their best. She holds a BFA from Syracuse University and an MBA with an entrepreneurship focus from Georgia State University. And the list goes on and on and on. And I want to just share that Kathleen, I know personally, because she's someone that has actually been so incredibly inspiring and influential in helping the ritual house come to fruition. We would not have this podcast if it were not for Kathleen (laughs) and her many, many dedicated hours of help for me to figure out what it is that I want to do in my life. But I think what is so amazing about her is that she is possibly one of the most human people I know. And when I say human, I mean the best parts of humanity, compassionate, she cares, she's empathetic. And she also is here to help move and shake herself in the world, but other people in a way that just sort of works for this world. And I'm really just so grateful to know her. She's a delightful human being. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yay. (laughs) So here we are talking on a podcast about ritual. (laughs) It's great. In In a world that feels incredibly hard and broken and painful, or maybe yeah. that's just the way I, I look at the world. I don't know. How, I, how think you it, look at I actually, I think it does. I think it does right now. I don't think it's an accident that Ritual House came into the world in this moment. I don't mm. think it's an accident at all. I think the importance of ritual, it can feel superfluous maybe if it's looked at from one way, but I think is actually really grounding and connective and important right now. Yes. And I, I'm really excited to get into ritual specifically with you because you are someone that does not identify specifically as a religious individual. Yeah. You're not someone that's going to church or synagogue or mosque. Right. But you are someone that I would say ritualizes in the everyday and creates your own ritual for like the rhythm of your life in a way that's super, super 
impactful. So I wanted to have you on because I feel like ritual is so important. And so, so many times ritual is, I think, it's like people feel like they can't do it because they're not religious Mm -hmm. or that they don't have a way. They're not a rabbi. They can't. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you can. And you are someone, Kathleen, that like does it. When we first started talking, you were like, yeah, I do like Sunday supper. Yeah. And I was like, what what do you mean you do Sunday supper? (laughs) And you're like, yeah, I do. I ritualize a lot of things. Did you always, when you, when you look back at your childhood, do you remember ritual being part of the water in your life, like that contained you? I grew up Episcopalian, so I grew up going to church and still have a lot of reverence for religious ritual. But as I grew and my beliefs changed, I just believed and and continue to believe that it ritual does not need to be religious and that making meaning i think it can sometimes feel more difficult without the without the scaffolding of religion but it almost is more important it might be a little more work and for me that's what ritual does it's a way of thinking what really matters and how do i make that regular how do, I, how do I make it a regular practice? And that sounds like lofty and it's not when we think about what I said to you about Sunday suppers. To me, community is one of my highest values and being in community and having a home where people are welcomed really regularly. And so making that an, a regular practice, a ritual of on Sundays, we invite usually new people over for Sunday supper and have different families and making it a ritual versus a one-time decision is a gift to me because it's that practice of if I decide once, I don't have to decide again. It takes some of the work out. Mm. So the heavy lifting in terms of the work of ritual for me comes in the first question of what matters right? and really deciding what matters, building a ritual around it. And then the thinking, then I don't have to think as much anymore. Then I don't have to come back into conversation with myself of like, am I really embodying the value of community? And I know I am. It's done. And Mm. instead, I'm just, you know, flipping through my cookbooks to think about what I want to. I'm doing the fun kind of thinking and work. Yeah, it's kind of interesting if you already set the structure up to have ritual in your life, at least weekly, let's just say. It's there. You don't have to think about it. And then you just have to insert yourself. I heard exactly. someone on a podcast say it's about ritual. How they defined it is doing it with intention and attention. Mm-hmm. But somehow there's like an intention and a, an attention to yeah. whatever the thing is that we're doing. And, and Sunday supper could be, right, just whatever. It's yeah. Sunday supper. But like for you, it's Sunday supper or the ritual. Right. I also, though, I think at least for me, and and maybe this will not speak well of me, but I think I'm like a kind of lazy person by nature. And that ritual is actually there, that it actually can make things easier Hmm. instead of harder, that it actually, the attention, the intention, we do that thinking up front, and then we get to just participate. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. I don't know if you're lazy, though. I, I think I give myself more permission to be lazy than a lot of people I know. Yeah. Maybe. Or that I like look for ways to make space in my life rather than put pressure on myself and 
ritual actually in some ways releases the pressure. And so I, I, I say that only to invite listeners yeah. into that idea that ritual can make things easier. It's not one more thing you have to do. Yeah. You know? It's something right. That can frame it all. I'm curious. So you grew up Episcopalian. You had ritual in a religious sense in mm-hmm. your household, or maybe you went to church. I'm not sure. Did you also have the everyday human rituals? Because you don't just have Sunday supper. You have many rituals mm-hmm. in your life for you and for your family. Did you also have that in your household? Like, were you brought up to think about life in a ritualistic way? Or like, did you just sort of take that I on? I wouldn't say so. I, I think I had a little, I'm, I would come from a big family. I would say I was, I was brought up to think of life in a chaotic messy, joyful, but messy way. And so perhaps ritual was my controllingness or like my, my way of trying to shape something a little different out of that. There's a lot of you siblings. Yes. I'm the youngest of four. Yeah. And one of my siblings is a minister. Um, like the, my family is still religious. You're the youngest of four. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's interesting. It tracks in how I um, like to have fun and think of myself as lazy. <laughs> you just cut cut right to what matters and how to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's what the youngest does, right? Especially youngest of four. Yeah. So did you feel like it started when you had your own children or was the ritual thing like something that happened before? When I was in college, I went through a pretty serious health crisis. I was diagnosed, although it took a couple years to get to the diagnosis, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and I was 20 at the time. And that diagnosis was a real dropping into the deep end of my own mortality, of my relationship with my body. What do I want out of my life? It Mm. just got very real, very quick. And it can come in a lot of forms. It can come in a serious illness. It can come in the death of a close family member, but just suddenly the awareness of like, I get one life. I don't know how long it's going to last. And I think for me, that was when I started to really think, what do I want? Mm. And, and how do I make meaning? And how do I really dial up intentionality? It was a, it was a real invitation to that. And I speak about that diagnosis now, you know, when I, when I got it, I was, I was quite ill and with MS, you don't know, there are a couple different types and some of them you get ill and then you get more sick and more sick and more sick. And some types of MS you're sick and then you get better and then you're sick and you get better. And when you're diagnosed, you have, you don't know which kind you're going to have. And so there was real possibility. This was like a, a one way street and I was many blocks down the street and sick and only going to get sicker. And I've been lucky, beyond lucky, that that hasn't happened, that I have the kind of MS that relapsing, remitting, so I get sick and then I get better and I get sick and I get better. But it still allowed, it it forced my brain into the place of, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to take what time I have and have freedom to make the choices I want to make. It just was a real gift of clarification. And I don't wish it on anyone, but it was and is a gift too. And many of the rituals 
that are still in my life, I think, come out of that moment Hmm. because the rituals around how I care for myself were because I became very clear that I needed to care for my body and that I had to. And so I didn't ever need to apologize for doing so. Um, So my relationship with exercise and ritual is because of that, but also my relationship with community and with inviting people in and having a really full life is because I want to take care of people Hmm. because I want to know that I'll be taken care of when I need help too. Wow. Do you feel like you were diagnosed when you were 20? I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Really young. Really young. Was it a gradual sort of like learning for you to sort of hold on to all these beautiful lessons? Or did you feel like it just sort of, did it hit you? It wasn't gradual at all. It, it snapped into focus very quickly, immediately almost. And I didn't, prior to the diagnosis, I didn't think I wanted to have kids. And that was my first question to my neurologist in, when I, I was in the hospital. And um, that was the very quest- first question I had. It, it just really snapped a lot of things into focus is the only way to put it. Yeah. And that's like an interesting time because, you know, 20 is like, it's the beginning of, it's the beginning of everything. And so to be, to have that clarity at the beginning of my adult life was quite um, transformative. Yeah. And you brought people along the way with you. And what do, what do you mean? Well, it's like your thing. You seem to like bring people, oh, like I'm going to do this ritual, let's just say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And you, I mean, you even described in Seattle, you do this like light ritual, right? Where you like, like there's like a lot of rituals you do. <laughs> like you do like a lot. Like we talked a lot before this call. I want to talk about all of them. You like burn your New Year's and yeah. right intentions and put it in your Martinelli's or yeah, ki- right? Like, yeah, with the kids, yeah. I mean, you do a lot of cool everyday human rituals. That's what we call them here. Yeah, it's funny because I I think like everybody don't know what everybody else is doing. So I just assume that everyone is doing a lot of rituals. <laughs> You're not all just like thinking that way all day long? Yeah, that is how I feel. That is how I feel. I know we've talked over about what the role of kids do for ritual and how they... I think for some people, my experience with my diagnosis happens to people when they have kids, when all of a sudden it's like, oh, what are we doing here? What really matters? What What is the story I'm telling myself about what matters and how can I make it practical and grounded and regular, which is wonderful. It is. There's something about like, and I, it sounds like you got that lesson earlier, right? At age 20, the like hyper focus of like what matters, right? And when one has a child, there is this like, oh, there's something bigger than me and life matters. Mm -hmm. I can't just sort of waste it away. Not that Mm -hmm. anyone's wasting it, but like just sleepwalk through it. Like I've got to be awake. I've got to figure it out. And kids sort of invite rituals so naturally, right? Like they're so primed. They're not going to question yeah, right. They're they're gonna be like, sure, that sounds great. I mean, the great thing about kids is they're really dumb. <laughs> they don't know anything. So you can do anything. Like you could be like, oh well, so one of our one of our rituals is Sunday Sundays. So on Sundays we have ice cream Sundays. But like that's just as regular to them as birthdays. Cause oh well, yeah, Sunday, Sundays and birthdays. Because they just don't know what is normal. They have no idea. Do you think that someone listening could just start Sunday Sundays now with their kids if they're older? 
Or do you 100%. think it's the kind of thing that rituals, I'm actually curious, do you think like rituals actually have to be like sort of like part of the family dynamic for a long time? You know what I mean? Or can it be like just tr- we're doing just this? Just try it. I, I come at everything in life with a just try it attitude. I think any ritual with a treat element always works. Always works. Always works. A hundred percent. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. And our, I think celebrating half birthdays is a great. So fun. Do you ritual. do, do you do like the half cupcake? Half a cake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah half, half a cake. cake yeah. Half of like. My mom did that for us. I should bring that into my, I should bring that into my kid's life. Why don't I do that? So great. So fun. It's no present. It's like all the fun of a birthday without having to do anything. So fun. And it's not too late, right? I can still do it. Exactly. It's not too late. It's never too late. No. Oh, this is why we're so different. You know, you're like so... This is like first child, firstborn (laughs) versus... Actually, that's exactly... It's like the big difference right there. I'm like, wait, is this okay? Do I need to ask permission from... (laughs) No. Wait. Oh. (laughs) I guarantee of you bringing home half a birthday cake, your kids will not be like, mm, oh. you know, we didn't do that last yes, year. Yes, sorry, mom. What is that? They'll be like, or or like, it's store-bought. Mm. Ralph's, yuck. Although that cake is good. I know. This is good. Do the easy version. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Tell me, this is an okay question. Like your family of origin, who's like, reli- they're religious, right? Yeah. Are you in touch with them? Oh, yes, I am. In t- so I'm quite close with my family. Oh, you are? And okay. Yes. And like, yes. are they like, what religion are you like raising your kids? Do they see ri- the rituals that you're doing in your they life? See, they see that I'm doing as much, if not more than them in terms of ritual. And they, they're all about it. And our, you know, we spend holidays together and they do Sunday Sundays. You know, like we're a big mishmash. And I think we have mutual respect for how we're all doing this. They're all, they're all parents as well. And we're all just trying to make the meaning that we're trying to make. We are. I don't know. It's something that I'm like working through with this podcast, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out the role of religion and ritual today and the role yeah. of ritual without religion today. Because I think that's more people than not really. Mm-hmm. Certainly the ones that I'm like hanging out with, you know, like even if folks are sort of tangibly connect, like they're connected to their cultural heritage. They're not necessarily religiously connected or ritually speaking connected. I don't know. Do you ever, maybe this is just like a me thing, but do you ever think about like, does it matter? Does it matter if like religion is like not holding the rituals for so many people? Is there some beauty in the fact that each family unit, each person, each individual is sort of creating their own unique way to practice rituals in their lives? Do you see that unfolding in your life too? Like the like disintegration of what once was and now something new is coming and we don't know what that is? I have like a lot of thoughts about this. When I think about ritual and the family and religion and my personal family, my little family, having ritual without religion, I don't know that it will stick in the same way. It involves a a higher level of trust that my kids are taking something from all these things that they will pass on if they choose to have kids, if they choose to have families, in the way that if we were going to church every Sunday and participating in rituals in a larger group, I would think, oh, they're going to take their kids. Their kids will also have bat mitzvah or first communion, you know, like these. Right. And, and 
at the same time, or, or the flip side of that coin, I love that there is no gatekeeper to this, Mm. this kind of living. And that I, I love getting to be in charge of what matters to our family. I love it because it, it lets me decide and it lets me change my mind too. As the world changes, as my kids get older, as my opinions about things change. Hmm. And because it's not tied to a religion, there's an agility that I like. Hmm. And do your kids help? Are they starting to help create the rituals? Or not yet? It's like really your domain. Not quite. You're the, you're the matriarch. You're like holding the space. They notice though. They notice it and they like it. They they, yeah, that's what I'll say, but it's, it's more mine, but I would love to hear, I would love to let them be a part of it. Yeah. My, that's, I think the beauty or the struggle I have with my, my kids are so like, they like want to create all of them. Oh, Ooh, great. so we're going to do this first fruits rituals and then we can do this and then, and then, and then, and it's like, Ooh, yeah. But like, <laughs> Like, I was just going to make this a five-minute ritual. I yeah, wasn't going to yeah, make yeah, this yeah. like a day ritual, you know? How about you do that for your dolls? <laughs> exactly. Your How stuffies about... are going to love that ritual. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're also a writer, a beautiful writer. Is writing a ritual for you? Oh. Or are there rituals around writing for you? You know, I'm very particular about my pens. I oh. think that comes to mind. Really? Um, I just like want to yes. follow you around for a week. <laughs> to be like, why is she being so weird about her pens? No, I just, no, because I like, I want to be someone that cares about my pens. <laughs> I love I, it. But you care about other things. That's the thing. You can only care about so much. I know. That's true. The more I, like, I've gotten a lot, I've decided I... This might. This is truly maybe the most blasphemous thing that will ever be said on this podcast. I don't care about what my kids eat. I just. I decided I can't care about that. I can care about a lot of things, and I know a lot of people care a lot, and I think that's important. But I don't care about that. I care about my pants. Wait. So, like, can we go back? Like, they could eat just. You're just like make your own dinner, or are you like? It's a lot of make your own dinner. Yeah. It's like we don't. There's packaged food. It's not all. It's not all I don't organic. Even know if we have anything organic in our house, <laughs> you can't live in LA. I know. No, this is what I'm saying. The most <laughs> blasphemous. You know, they're like super active kids. The one thing I do care about is teaching them their own hunger cues. Hmm. Like, what is like that's your body telling you you're hungry. You're being crabby. I think you might be hungry. We don't talk about healthy food. Is never a phrase that's been uttered in front of my kids. Yeah. I just don't care about it. I just don't care. It's not a priority. No. They eat. They we eat. eat together sometimes. Sometimes we don't. I we don't I don't care about family dinner that much. No. No. <laughs> no. That's we, not your ritual, right? For many people not, for many people that's their like nightly thing, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Not for you. No. I hmm. no. I don't care about that one. At all. Sunday supper though. Sunday supper, so like eating and like having hosting community, eating together. But no, my kids, we have like a kitchen counter and that's where they eat most nights. They're also at the age where they have activities almost every night. And I have a phrase I use about cooking for my family, which is that I don't cook for my family. I prepare food 
for my family. Mm. So I don't cook supper. I prepare. And that means like sandwiches or quesadillas or mac and cheese or pot. Like, yeah, I cook. I love to cook and I don't cook for them because they don't appreciate it. No, they they definitely don't appreciate it. No, it's a waste of my enthusiasm and joy. I could tell you all the rituals I don't do. That's why I can have room for other ones because, you know. Yeah, you have space to sort of pick the ones that you care about. Yeah, because you want to know what my kids took to school today? Mm. Bagel bites. I know. They you make guys, those? Tova's face right now. Wait, of course they make They don't make bagel bites anymore. I could get them out of my I mean, face I, right I now. lived on bagel, bagel bites for like about a year, I think, of my exactly. life. Exactly. I did. They're, they're into them right now. I'm sure they'll, they won't be forever, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you get shunned by other parents? I don't know and I don't care. Yeah. And I tell people when their kids come over here, I, I often have. <laughs> you, give a war- you give a warning? I have a warning. I'm just like, if let me know if obviously like all the like standard, like are there food allergies? But then I'm just like in our house. Corn syrup's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what your kids are going to have here? Food dye. <laughs> I had like such a, it was such an interesting weekend. We had a bat mitzvah uh, this weekend and they were playing, there's a game that is often played at bar and bat mitzvah parties, which is seven up Pepsi, Coke, Pepsi, where it's like you are on one side, one group is like Coke, one, the other group is Pepsi. And then you have to run to each other sort of fast. Right. Yeah. And my kids like stopped playing and they came over and they were like, they're playing this game. It's like called coke and pepsi we don't know what those words mean (laughs) i was like oh here's a shirley temple let me like teach you the ways of life oh my god and then they had like like they had like seven of them do you know what i mean because like obviously they haven't had shirley temples because we are exactly what you're talking about a hundred percent but then the next day we went to like a like a class Halloween sort of gathering at a park. And like, it was like dye free candy. Like it was like this, like, (laughs) and it was just this like juxtaposition of like Uh, our, (laughs) the world we live in, you know? And it was this moment of like, I mean, we're not like that in our house. I think we're kind of like a mix of things, but it did make me realize they should probably know what a Shirley Temple is and Coca-Cola is. Like it was like this moment of like they're eight and six and they don't even know what those things are. And like there's a healthiness. And and I I live in Seattle, so it probably rivals L.A. for like extremely intense parenting culture here, like extremely intense. Um, But a lot of it is about food well and also i feel very lazy when i'm in seattle oh really because everyone's so active it's like everyone's talking about the the canoeing and the running Uh and the rock climbing and the and the like bouldering and it's like what'd you do this weekend i like walk to the movie theater (laughs) yeah people are they're really i mean but you have to be because it's so depressing (laughs) because (laughs) the gray it's like you gotta you got to get into it. But you're also I, into exercise, right? I am into exercise. So, okay. Exercise, ritual for exercise, and then I want to go back to writing, if you have ritual around writing. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, ritual for exercise is for many, many, many years, for a couple decades, I allowed myself where I would go, I would think about myself as a six months on, six months off person around exercise. Mm. And so as we think about ritual, I think sometimes it's easy to think like, I do this thing and it takes 10 minutes. And I think sometimes ritual can be, the cadence can be much bigger than that. And for for me, it was six months on, six months off and a lot of trying of new things. Exercise right now is I like, I schedule all my workouts out. I know what days I like to go. I 
made the point of, I think like a lot of people post COVID, I felt pretty, I felt quite disconnected from community, from yeah. the people around me and just decided I wanted to join a gym where I saw friends. And so I asked all my friends where they went to the gym. And then I joined that one because I wanted to have the dual purpose of exercising and having connection as someone who works from home. Yeah. And do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. So I go to that. I go there. And then in terms of writing, I don't know. I I think, so my writing practice is only a couple years old. And in some ways I feel like I can't quite see it yet. Like it's almost too close to me to see it. And I have changed a little bit. I do more than one type of writing now. And so I think sometimes the ritual looks different around different types Mm. of writing. So I don't know that I have a good answer for that, for ritual around writing. Well, you you went on a retreat by yourself Mm -hmm. to write. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I do that. I and go, you do that. That wasn't the first, right? That wasn't like your yes, first one. I go on, I go on retreats by myself. And when I do that, I, I have figured out what that looks like. And it it is a lot of thinking about the menu and the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, also knowing that my best writing hours are in the morning. So intentionally writing in the morning and then knowing it at night I'm going to watch a really bad reality TV show and probably like watch a whole season of it over three days <laughs> and just like being totally fine with that. But that's what, that's part of the writing retreat. Part, well, that's interesting. Part of the writing process maybe does require a certain, I won't say numbing, but like certain like turning the brain off in a way, yeah. right? Oh, so completely. that you can like focus. And like, yes. I wonder if you continue on these writing retreats, will there be a ritual that is actually heavily developed like as you do them more like is that what happens with ritual where it's like I do it every year around this time and I do notice that like oh it is interesting like I do write for three hours and then the rest of the day I'm snacking and watching tv I do I guess I hadn't thought about a ritual but I like to edit this is going to sound weird, but like I edit in the bathtub because I print off pages. And so when I think I'm done creating, but I'm not out of the creative space, then I draw a bath and print my pages and get my fancy pens on the side of the bathtub and edit Wow, in the tub. Sounds a little weird, but I don't know if it's weird. Trumpo wrote in the tub. I take a bath every day. So is that part of, is that a ritual? Probably. And that is a ritual that now, like, one of the ways that my family cares for me mm-hmm. is my kids will even say, do you want me to draw you a bath? And they draw me a bath. Hmm. That's so yeah. nice. It's very nice. Is that part of a practice that you need for your for your MS yeah, as well? Yeah, it's a health. Does yeah, it help? Temper- so temperature sensitivity, like, sets off symptoms. So a bath is very, very good for me physically. Yeah. Well, baths are, like... So healing and underutilized, I think. Mm-hmm. Like sitting in water, washing there that is energy. Nothing right? like crying in a bathtub. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. And jacuzzis don't match it, I think. No, no, no. Right? No. Which is interesting because, like, it's still yeah. warm water. Yeah, but it's not the same. It's not the same. I like the like compression of the like the smallness of the tub. And I think this is what's really interesting about ritual because. Again, we talked about it earlier, but for me, I I can take a bath and not make it a ritual. Yeah. During the pandemic, a bath was my like anchor for the day. Yeah, it yeah. was the only thing that I knew was certain in the day. Yeah. I knew at the end of the day, once my kids were in bed, 
I would draw a bath. Sometimes my husband would draw the bath for me. Like mm-hmm. it was like, it was just like what had to happen to sort of wash the day off for me. Completely. And in that bath, I would also always listen to either a spiritual podcast mm-hmm. or spiritual music. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that ritual is not part of my life anymore right now. I'd like to bring it back, but it's no longer yeah. like in the anchor. Like it's more of yeah. like a couple times a week, I'll take a bath. But I, I yeah. can call that bath right now a ritual. But back in the pandemic, that was a ritual. Definitely. Yeah, the pandemic is, I just really relied on ritual. It, I mean, the stripping away, the stripping away of so many social supports, social structures. I mean, one of the things I'm writing about and thinking a lot about is what that, what it was like to be alone on an island with your family, which is what it felt like to me. The pandemic was being alone on an island and the island was this home. And here in Seattle, we were on that island for a very, very, very long time. When you say that, you mean like culturally speaking in Seattle? People would not yeah, mingle for a long time. Would not mingle. And there, you know, there was, people have a lot of feelings about it, but the numbers say we were first to close. We were last to open our schools. There was the social feeling of taking it all very, ser- very seriously, very seriously. And so there was just a heavy lockdown for a long time. And yeah, so I was on an island with my family. Hated it. You did. <laughs> yeah. Or it just was very hard. It was very, very hard. You're not one and... that's like, remember the pandemic days. Oh. You know, there's like a lot of people no. like that. Remember the pandemic days. I'm like, they didn't, they weren't locked up with my small children. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I I think I, there was like about three weeks of the pandemic that I romanticize. Oh, wow. That's about it though. It's only three weeks. Yeah. It was like. Was it the beginning? Yeah. I think it was. Not the very beginning, like the first week. Yeah. But I think it was maybe like three weeks in where we sort of, we didn't have like a routine, but we had more of a routine. Yeah. And it was just the four of us like tucked in. Yeah. There was this like tucked in feeling. Mm -hmm. But I I think my brain plays a trick because I'm like also forgetting like my deep existential dread and anxiety yeah. that like plagued us. I think it's, I think people have forgotten how scary it was. It was so scary. Right. So I think that like the brain is like tricking that piece. I don't know when this episode will air, but I think so today is October 30th of 2023, just so people have a marker. And I think right now people are very, very scared. And I think it can be helpful to remember we've all been really, really scared together before. Mm. And it's completely different things, completely different stakes. People are isolated in a completely different way, although we were quite isolated then. But this current generation of parents, this current generation knows deep fear. Yeah. Deep, deep, scared for our kids, fear. And um, I don't know that that matters, but I know that it's true. It's very true. I think it affects everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, generation, like generationally, I, like I think yeah. it affects, like how we teach in school. Yeah, can't be taught the same. Like nothing is the yeah. same post pandemic, yeah. but also as we move into, as you said, further moments of despair and destruction and yeah, dread, and the feeling, the constant feeling of not knowing what's going to happen, mm. but that it's probably not going to be good 
I think a lot of people are living in that state now for years on end that it, I don't know how this is going to end, but I cannot see any option where it ends well is a very different place than how our parents parented from. Very different. It's really, really different. And it requires a particular internal motivation slash a holding of like faith or hope, yeah. I think, that is necessary. Yeah. Which like is the flip side of all the bad. That's at least where I go with it. And I think ritual is actually an act of like it's a countercultural act, really. It's so much easier to doom scroll and be like, well, what's the point? Right. It's like harder to kind of be like, here's the point. Let's gather together and like and eat together and like be together and like yes mark the moment together and that's also not i think it's really easy to doom scroll and i think it's really easy to not watch the news yeah or, or to completely ignore right. and i think ritual can be a third way because it is saying this is what matters to me and this is what will be lost mm. and this matters mm. you know yeah very powerful yeah okay i have one more question for you okay is there a ritual that you've experienced, you've facilitated, you've participated in, in the, it doesn't have to be like so recently, but we'll just say in the last six months or year that really sort of moved you that you'd like to share. I do a ritual with my kids called snuggle read, where we all get in the bed and I set a timer for 20 minutes and we all read silently for 20 minutes. And it's, wonderful to take us back to the beginning of our conversation. I just did something like, what matters? I want to feel connected to my kids. I want my kids to see me relaxed. I want my kids to know me as a relaxed person. And Snuggle Read does that. And it's a way, I, it's a laziness too. I'm horizontal. I, feel like I get to read my book, but we're connected and they're seeing me relaxed and we're together. So Snuggle Read you don't need other people to do snuggle read, but just, and having a name for it then is a, Love is it. a ritual. My kids know. I think, yeah, the naming of it, you're, you're really lifting up in this episode for me. Yeah. I'm fairly reg like regular poster on Instagram and people now tag me when they do snuggle read. Aww. And it's so wonderful to see all these different families. As I love seeing the teenagers do it. It's really sweet. So that would be the ritual I would invite people into trying and if you do it tag me and tag ritual house please do do them and i'm i'm gonna do all of them snuggle read sunday sundays yes and i'm also gonna do there was one more i'm bringing back the half birthday in our lives half birthday sunday supper sunday supper we do dinner, so it's like that's similar similar but honestly sundays it's a great night to do it Cause you're like, it's like the end of the weekend. You don't want to be together it. anymore. The four no. of you, like we're over it. It, it's it gets great. our house entirely yes. clean. Yes, you have to clean, right? Cause you're you having clean the people. Whole house. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. We don't have to look at each other's faces. No, that's a great idea. We do it early. It's at five o'clock. Love it. So that everyone's out by like seven thirty-eight. Great. And then it's just, we all go to our own places in the family. We've had a great time. And I think there's something wonderful. I just like seeing my family around other people. You know, then it's like, oh, 
my kids are kind and totally look how funny my husband is. And do you know what I mean? I love it. It's the best. It's really important. I, I I do know what you mean. I'm such an introvert. And so I don't do things like this enough. But I'm this weekend was a complete weekend of hosting hosting. And it was yeah. a little bit too much. But it also was like, great reminders of like what I love about my family and like exactly. how beautiful they are. And also like how important it is for them, even though I'm the introvert, yeah. they're extroverted. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Totally balancing all that. Okay. I could talk to you all day. We're going to end, but I want listeners to make sure to follow you. Kathleen Donahoe on, is that the, if you search Kathleen Donahoe on Instagram, you can find me. My handle is Kathleen at Kathleen. I can raw. It's like a, it's a cheerleading reference that someone <laughs> gave to me decades ago that became my handle on everything. And good news, bad news is still kind of the energy. I just, I love, I love cheerleading people, particularly women, particularly you, Toba, oh. particularly Ritual House. Thank you. Thank you. So look her up, uh, follow her. She's an amazing writer as well as an amazing business person, um, businesswoman, um, entrepreneur. So glad you were here. Thanks for being Thanks for here. Having me. You bet. Wasn't that fun? See? Creative. She is walking the walk, doing the thing, bringing her children in, bringing her people in. And you too can do that. I can do that. We can do that. And so that's the challenge for this week. How can you find and create a ritual that works for you for this New Year's? She gave an example of how they all uh, write out their resolutions and burn them and put them in Martinelli's. That's a beautiful tradition. You can do that. You can also find another tradition that will work for you and your family and your chosen family. So for this New Year's, as we bring in... 2024, I want you to enter it with one resolution, one resolution being a ritual resolution, a resolution that says to yourself, I am the queen of my ritual self, that I am here to create moments that contain a portal of deep connection to myself and to others, that I have the potential to do that and to do this regularly and that it can be fun. So create a fun ritual for you and for your people. It could be as simple as this is what we're going to do this New Year's. We're going to sit around and we're going to cheers the things that we want to let go of and cheers the things that we want to bring in. Do what feels right in any case. I'm wishing you a happy new year. May we all feel connected to ourselves, connected to our loved ones, connected to the world, and connected to a deep knowingness, which is that we are responsible. We are in charge of our ritual life, of our spiritual life, and we get to do this. I actually want to also end with a poem because it is a poem that Kathleen has shared with me and it has moved me. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and a blue true dream of sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. 
I who have died am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. This is the birthday of life and the love and wings and of the gay, great happening, illimitably, Earth. How should tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing, any lifted from the know of all nothing human merely being doubt unimaginable? You? Now the ears of my ears awake, and now the eyes of my eyes are opened. That poem is by E.E. E. Cummings. May we feel that each day in this new year. May we be us. Thank you for listening to the Ritual House podcast. Please be sure to follow the show on whichever platform you are listening to this right now so that you'll never miss an episode. And as we grow the show, we want to hear about the rituals that are meaningful to you. We invite you to share your ritual practices with us. You can DM us at theritual.house on Instagram or find us on our website, www.theritual.house. Also, as a new show, your feedback is really important to us. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? We'll see you back here next week to continue the ritual revolution. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a week filled with intention and attention. Take good care.